as he comes. Come on, encourage him. Praise God. morning. Excited to be with you today. Um, again, like he said, be in prayer for Pastor Steve. Uh, not only did, are they going through that with his mother, they actually had a car wreck this week and smashed a deer and totaled the Subaru. So they're really going through it. So definitely be in prayer for them. Steve, we love you and um, we're praying for you. Um, with that said this morning, I'm excited to be here. Most of you know me. My name is Jimmy. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Uh, one thing that you might not know about me as I'm bivocational, meaning I have two jobs. <laughs> so not only do I work here at the church, but I also work as the COO of a manufacturing plant. So what is a COO? Basically, it's like a director of operations. So my job is to manage a P&L statement that, that leads into the title of this sermon, which is profit and loss. So basically, I'm, I'm responsible for all of those things, the material, the labor, the quality issues, the engineering costs, everything that goes in to the, to the cost for the operations organization of the business. And at the end of the day, my responsibility is the bottom line, which is the profit. It's the bottom line. The world system that we live in is totally built on the fact of making profit. Profit meaning gaining something from a service or an endeavor. Profit is everything. Every business is operated on this premise of making profit. Every position of employment is is only secure as profit is experienced. And that said, as I look around with you guys here, I think about the brevity of time that we have. Time is so short. So I want to look at today, where are we going to spend our lives and invest our time? With the little amount of time that we have to gain the most profit. This reality of time getting shorter and shorter for me is becoming more and more clear. This has been a, a year of significant loss for my family. I mean, tragic loss through car accidents. My wife's had multiple um, people in her family pass away. She's probably been to four funerals, almost seemingly back to back. Uh, we've experienced significant loss on our staff. And just thinking about that, as I think about this, this time, we don't have that much. I mean, we, we live day to day, but we don't think at the big picture of really what we should be thinking on. I mean, I've spent time, I preach a lot, too, in um, assisted care facilities. So, I mean, I've been in there preaching one week, and then I go back the next week, and that person's not there anymore. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have said something different. It's just such a short amount of time. I should have said something else, you know. And it's really got me to thinking we need to be conscious of our own time. We need to be focused on the bottom line of our lives, which is protecting our most valuable asset, which is our soul. So if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. So the context for this is Jesus is about to tell his disciples what they were thinking that he was going to set up this earthly realm where he was going to rule the world and he was going to set up this earthly type realm. But Jesus is about to tell them what, what his actual plans are. And I want you to read with me in verse 21. Chapter 16, verse 21. It says, From that time... Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised again. And Peter took him aside and again and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned to, to him and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you're a hindrance to me, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is critical. Listen to this verse, verse 26. It says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is, come, is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will pay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in the kingdom. So this, this context of Peter, as, as he's telling them, hey, this isn't going to happen to you, Jesus. Jesus is telling them what's going to happen. He said, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again on the third day. And Peter's saying, no, no, that's not going to happen. Far be it from you, Lord. And Jesus rebukes Peter in this text because he's thinking from a worldly perspective. He's not focusing on the things of God. Basically, you're a pest. You're a bother to me, Satan. Get behind me. Quit thinking about the world. Start thinking about me. Start thinking about my father's business. And if you look around, and the people that you associate with, the way that we go through our day-to-day lives, if you're honest with yourself, you know most people are operating from that same perspective. Most people are operating on things that really bear no profit in the long term. They love this world. And the Bible speaks on this. It lays out several things that really bear no profit. I mean, and that's what the world says to you, right? The world has its own profit system where everything is built on on a certain things, but the Bible lays out where the true profit is, and that's what I want to look at today. I want you to think about it in this way. Do you remember your grandfather's father's name? I have no idea. I would imagine that his picture is somewhere in an attic somewhere. We, we have like 150, I mean, it's, it's quite funny actually, because in 150 years, you're going to be in the same boat. All the things that you're worried about today probably don't matter that much. In 115 years, you're going to be in somebody's attic probably, and they won't remember your name. We don't have much time here. You think it's forever, you think it's a long time, but we need to make the time that we have here count. And the best way that I know to do that is quit worrying about things that don't matter. Quit chasing things that bear no profit. And the Bible lays some of those things out. Number one, there is no profit in riches. There is no profit in riches. It says, for what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Think about this. The Lord's telling us, hey, there's no profit when a person loses their soul because you don't know true profits until you gauge them against the cost. I think to the, the story of Jesus When he was in the wilderness with Satan and Satan took him to this high mountain, he showed him the kingdom. He said, all of this can be yours and the glory of it. He offered it to Jesus if you would just bow down to me. Jesus refused because what profit would have been for him to have to bow down to Satan? The world would have not meant anything to him. But the truth is, many people are bowing down to Satan for far less. They're bowing down for a few moments of pleasure, for a few minutes of of fun, for a little bit of financial gain. 1 John puts it this way, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the the pride of life is not of the Father, but of of this world. If you could achieve all of those things, you would have the world. If you gave your eyes all that it wanted, if you gave into the lusts of this world, if you gave into the pride of this life, you would have everything, but it would mean nothing. 
a lot of young people, that's what they focus on so much. And I know they have to. They have to focus on their career, but that's, that's all they talk to me about. We spend all our time focusing on how we're going to get rich. And a financial position puts you in a different place. It puts you in a different echelon if you live in a certain neighborhood. And I've seen so much worship of riches around here. I mean, they got the best landscape I've ever seen in Boca. I'm like, I'm like just blown away by how nice some of this is. But in my mind, I'm reminded that you can't love that. You can't live your whole life chasing after that. It's get rich or die trying. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to do all these things to get rich. Let me tell you, that's not where it is. If God wants you to have wealth, then let him give it to you. But Solomon says in Proverbs 23, 4, it says, Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. And the truth is, the Bible normally looks at riches in the negative. Jesus said the rich hardly go to heaven. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven. The reason riches are often looked at so negatively is because most people can't live on the A1A and still have a proper relationship with Jesus. And it says it's impossible to serve God and mammon. So if the Bible says there's no profit in worldly gain, then we, need, we should listen to that. We should listen to what the Bible says on this. There's no profit in riches. Quit chasing after money. Quit chasing after all these things in this world. Deny yourself those things. In the long run, they're not going to mean anything when you're on someone's attic. It's not going to matter how much money you had. There's a, there's a guy, it's a show, it's called Chasing Classic Cars. It's, it's quite funny, actually. So this man, he, he has all these cars, and what he does is he goes around and he waits because these, these older people, they have 200, 300 cars, one of one in the world. And this guy, his name is Wayne Carini. And the minute this, that, that person dies, guess who gets to knock at the door? He goes right there because he knows what's going to happen. As soon as that person passes, the kids are going to sell all them cars. No profit in it. What are you going to do with 200 cars? And that's pretty much what it's going to be for you. Somebody else is going to spend your money. Somebody else is going to inherit your house. Somebody else is going to inherit all these things. What does it really matter in the long run? There's no profit in riches. Also, number two, there's no profit in religion. What are you talking about, pastor? We're your church. There's no profit in religion. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of religion. Religion can be very dangerous. Mormons, Jews, Islam, Buddhists. All on the wrong path. Religion is dangerous. You know, I, I, I preach, like I said, I preach a lot at those assisted care facilities. There's a lot of Jewish people there. And they come and they hear me. And they hear me talk and they think that they've inherited some type of relationship with God through a birthright. Or there's some way to earn this salvation. Or there's some way to earn it. Or you have to do something. You have to be more religious than the next person. You have to go confess at, at, at this place and do it this way. Let me tell you something. Paul was the most Jewish person that there was. And he puts it like this. He tells you in Romans 3.1, he says, What advantage hath the Jew? Or what profit is there in circumcision? Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, If you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. The context here is these, the Jewish people were bragging about their religious position. They were saying that I'm better than you because of my birthright. I'm better than you because I came from this tribe. I came from this house of Israel. I came from this place. I was born to be better than you. Or I'm going to earn it in this manner. And listen to what Paul says. Paul then instructs them as saying that that can't be. He was the most religious person that there ever could be. I want to look at the final part of that text. It says right here. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in flesh. I more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. A touching of the law. A Pharisee concerning zeal. Persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is the law, blameless. But all those things that I used to count gain to me, 
owes now account lost. Paul speaks very clearly. There's no gain for religious rights. You're not going to heaven because you can't go to Baptist church this morning. I like that. <laughs> you're not going to church because you're not going to heaven because of a Baptist church. All is a loss for Christ. Religion, this is dangerous. And I haven't ever seen this because it's easy to feel bad. I mean, it's, it's easier to say, hey, that person deserves hell. Like you see a person who, who, who lived their life stealing and killing and murdering. You, you almost say, hey, that person deserves it. But religion is going to send more people to hell than any other thing in the world, more than alcohol, more than dope, more than prostitution, more than drugs, because it's so dangerous. It's deceitful. It's going to tell you what you have is okay and acceptable with God. If you base your life on some type of religion that's foreign to what's in the Bible, it's going to send you to hell quicker than anything else. It's a stumbling block to salvation. Don't depend upon religion. The only way that you're going to get to heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. You can be the most religious person in the world. In fact, Paul was and still die and go to hell. It's an enemy of the cross. It's the devil's yard. Don't follow the world. So there's no profit in, in riches. There's no profit in religion. There's no profit in dead faith. No profit in dead faith. What am I talking about? James 2, 14 puts it this way. It says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? You know, a lot of times I tell somebody, Hey, I'm a pastor. What's the first thing you think they tell me? I go to church. Let me tell you something. Just because you're here this morning does not mean you're going to heaven. Church attendance is not much evidence for the fact that you believe in Jesus. It's important for the growth of believers, but it can't make you a believer. Dead faith means there's no works. Dead faith is not going to save you. If your faith in Christ is not activating your soul for service to God in many ways, then James is saying that you have dead faith. James speaks on this further in the text. We must have faith that activates not just our mind, not just our heart, but our will. You can't just know it. You can't just feel it in a worship song. You have to allow it to produce change in your life. We must let it produce change. I mean, think about it from this perspective. James tells us in 2.16, he says, And one of you say unto me, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are unequal to the body. What does it profit? Basically, he's saying somebody that comes in here who's hungry, who's starving, who's tired, and you say, go be warm, go be filled, but I gave them nothing. What profit is that? It's the same thing in religion. When you, when you, you say that you believe in God, maybe you know it in your mind or you feel it in your heart, but you haven't let it bear any fruit. There's no profit in that. You can know it all you want to. Demons know it too, and they're scared, but they're still going straight to hell. You have dead faith if you're not allowing God and the things that he's done for you to change who you are from the inside out. It may, it's, it's inside. It's intellectual faith. It's in the heart. And then it has to produce change. That's true, genuine faith. Dead faith isn't going to save you because you're sitting on this church pew this morning. is not going to save you. How much money is here is not going to save you. What religion you are, it's not what's going to save you. It's not about money. It's not about what religion you are. And there's so many down here and there's so much confusion. Let me tell you something. The only prophet, where's the prophet, pastor? The prophet is in salvation. Prophet is in salvation. Salvation is saving faith through Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. You don't care how much money you have. It's available to all. The Bible says you can call on his name and you'll be saved. It's eternal. 
and business, we always talk about protecting assets. Let me tell you something. Your soul is the most valuable asset that you have. Why? Because think of how much it costs to pay for it. God himself had to come down here and live a perfect life. 32 years. Sinless. Blameless. Go to a cross. Take the cat of nine tails. Endure the public humiliation that went with that. While they beat him and they ripped his flesh. While they hung him next to murderers and thieves. And he had to die for that. And then he had to raise from the dead. And ascend into heaven. That's how much it costs to make you right with God. That's how much it costs to purchase your soul this morning. Salvation is a matter of faith. It's a matter of belief. And it offers tremendous profit. What should you focus on in this life to gain the greatest benefit? Let me tell you, it's not in the wealth of this world. It's not in religion. It's not in dead faith. It's in salvation through Jesus Christ. Everything in your life should point to your relationship with Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you say, how do I do this? How does this apply to me? Where should I start? Let me tell you something. The first thing you have to do is start with a relationship with them. If you don't know them, you can't be right with them. So if you've never been saved, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you need to start right there. That's the first point. And then when you have, say maybe you're a new Christian or maybe you're a lukewarm Christian and it's been a while for you. You've been sitting here, but you haven't been serving. You haven't been doing anything. The next thing that you need to focus on is everything in your life needs to be centered around this relationship. Hear me and hear me this morning on this. You must be intentional about it. You must be serious about it. It's got to affect every area of your life. What you say what you do, where you work, how you raise your family, where you spend your time, who you talk to, where you spend your money, how you love others. Show me, show me what you're doing with those things. I'll tell you where your heart is. All of these things must be centered on your relationship with Jesus. Because what you've done in this life is going to be evaluated. What you've done in this life is going to be evaluated. In our text today, Jesus said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to repay everyone based on what they've done. It's going to be evaluated. You know, we get ready for everything. We get ready for retirement. We get ready for our jobs. Oh, I got an MBA. I know you're in college and you're studying. And, and everybody's studying, trying to prepare for the next phase of life. But nobody really talks about at the end. One of the most important, most critical decisions is where the whole thing comes down to one moment. We don't like talking about that. But if you ain't going to hear it in the church, where are you going to hear it? Let me tell you this morning. At the end of a PL statement, there's a bottom line. In the spiritual realm, this is known as the judgment. It's one day where your life's work is going to be evaluated when you face this judgment. And I think it's important that we go there this morning. You need to understand this morning that we, that we go there and we have this, this, this talk. Because one day you're going to walk up to your father. When it's all said and done, when, when you've spent your 100 or 70 or however many years that you have here, you're going to walk up to your father. And I picture it. And I can't do it justice because I truly can't imagine what it's going to be like. But hey, you passed on and you walk up to your father. And what is he going to say to you? I kind of imagine it like this as we sit down. You know, it's God. And you're like, hey, this is real. It's not that slight. <laughs> it's definitely not that slight. But um, basically, you walk up to God and you sit down and you look at him and it's real. And he says, before I laid the foundations of the earth, I thought of you in the days I would give you on earth. I planned out the people and the places that I would give you. I laid out your neighbors, your workplace, 
all the places that you would attend school and your family. I laid out all the days for you to do all the good works that I proposed for you. I equipped you with all that you would need to accomplish your purposes in life. I filled you with my spirit to encourage you, remind you, and lead you. I gave you my word so that you would know me and what to do. I gave you people to run with and people who needed me. Let's talk about how all that worked. As you're sitting there and you're looking at your father and you realize it doesn't matter at that moment how much money you had. It doesn't matter what religion you were. He's going to ask you one of the most important questions that you could ever be asked on the face of this earth. Who is Jesus to you? What did you do? With my son and everything that you have done will be discussed. It's going to come down to that final question. What did you do with my son? Did you know Jesus? And there's a book. There's a book. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And everything that you've done after that judgment is going to come down to that one moment. Where you're sitting there, and this is a real, this is really going to happen. And sometimes we don't like to let our minds go there. But some of y'all are getting older in age, and y'all think about it more and more. But young people, you don't know what could happen to you the next day. Let me tell you something. You're going to walk up there, and he's going to ask you something like this. He's going to say, let's talk about all that went. And you're going to go through the judgment, and the price for your sin is going to come due. And he's going to say something to you, and it's very critical. I mean, it's black and white. It either is or it isn't. Your eternity depends on whether your name is in the book So today, you have to ask yourself that question. Are you ready for that? Is your name in that book? Is your name in the book? This is between you and God. This ain't between me. This ain't between somebody sitting beside you because they're not going to be there. It's just going to be between you and him as he sits down and he opens the book of your life. And he tells you, hey, I gave you churches all around you. I gave you people who needed me. I gave you my spirit. I gave you my word. I gave you everything that you needed to do what I asked you to do. But what did you do with it? You heard about my son. You had access to Jesus. You had more access to him than anybody else almost in the whole world. But you didn't spend your time on it. You spent your time chasing after money. You spent your time feeling good about yourself in some religion that, that escalates you based off years of service or giving or whatever the case may be, and you forgot about my son. This is between you and God this morning as the worship team comes up. This is the bottom line of your eternity. The payment is going to be due for your sin, and your eternity is either going to be a massive loss or you can spend forever with Jesus. I want you to be very honest with yourself this morning. Is your name in that book? Don't let your life be a loss. I'm telling you, the good news for you is maybe you maybe it's hitting you this morning and you're like, hey, this is really going to happen. I, pl I planned for everything. I planned for my, my 401k. I planned what college I was going to go to. I was very meticulous about how many kids I was going to have. I, was, I planned everything out in my life, but I missed this. And I don't know if my name's in it. bottom line of your life is God breathed life into you. You have an eternal soul that's going to spend somewhere. If you can hear my voice this morning, you still have every minute, every moment to get it right. You have every moment to get it right. If you can hear me this morning, God still saves. He's the same Jesus. He says, hey, I'm right here. I'm still calling you. I still brought you here this morning. You can still hear me. And if you can still hear me, then you can still hear him. It's time for some of you to take the next step in your faith. It's time for some of you to get off the fence. It's time for some of you to get up and come to an altar of grace.
because ain't nobody going to be there but you. When you walk up to Jesus and he says, I laid it out for you. I gave you my word. I gave you people who needed me. I gave you everything that you needed and you forgot me. I gave you everything that you needed to get saved, but you didn't listen to me. You wanted to be rich. You wanted to have elevation in your status. You wanted a nice landscape. You wanted everything else because you loved the world. You weren't about my father's business. Just like he told Peter, he said, get behind me. You're a nuisance to me. You're going to have to answer for those things. They're going to open that book. And your name's either in there or not. And that depends everything. The book's going to be shut and your eternity's going to be sealed. Hear me and hear me now. You still have time to get saved. You still have opportunity to come to Jesus. We're having a beach baptism November the 19th. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you haven't been living the life you need to live. There's still time for you this morning. He still calls people. He's the same God that he was back then. And he's calling your name this morning. Go put your name in the book let your eternity be a loss. Don't let 150 years later you be nothing. Spend your eternity with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, so grateful for the opportunity to get to speak for you, God. I just ask that whoever needs to hear this message, whoever's concerned whether their name's in this book or not, move in their lives, God. Don't, it's not me talking, it's you. Speak to them this morning, Lord. You said you're going to come back and repay based on what we've done, Lord us to quit searching this world for peace, quit searching for riches, quit searching for glory, Lord, and get focused on your business. Protect our souls, dear God. Bless us this morning, Lord. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship him. Let's stand together. We say, you are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. Yes, I worship you. Sing, you are here. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. Yes, I worship you. Come on, one more time. You are here. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. Sing, I worship you. Say, you are here, working in this place. Oh, I worship you. Sing, I worship you. Cause you are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Yes, you are. Say, we make a miracle work. Promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Say, you are here, touching every heart. I worship you. Yes, we do. I worship you, yes, we say you are
And the truth is, as Jimmy declared, he made a way for salvation for us. And today, most of you know this message, and most of you are in Christ, but today, if you need to make a decision to say, I need to make a decision for Christ, I want to follow Jesus today, we want to pray with you. And actually, Pastor Jimmy's going to be right here at the front. I'm going to ask in this holy moment, if you say, listen, I need to, I need to pray the prayer of faith, and I need to give my life to Christ. I'm going to say you could come and, and chat with Jimmy after service. He'd love to pray with you. Maybe you just would love to encourage him and, and tell him that that was a good message. You can also do that as well. Listen, some of our host team, I don't know who's going to be back there, but some of our host team is going to be back at the green tent. If you did uh, fill out that card, go ahead and drop that off. We would love to get in touch with you this week. Let's pray a special prayer right now for Pastor Steve and Julie and their family. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Steve and for Julie Thomas and their entire family, their children. Lord, we believe that you are with them right now in this moment. Holy Spirit of God, bring peace, bring comfort. God, bring uh, healing and bring restoration to their family. God, I pray for uh, Pastor Steve's mother. God, you'd be with her right now. God, your comfort and your peace and your grace, Lord, as she is uh, preparing to see you face to face. I declare, Lord, that you are going to bless this moment, Lord, that they have together, and it's going to reignite and re-energize 